Would you please stand in honor of God's written word? The passage we'll be considering today is in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. My name is Michael Johnson. Uh, I'm on the staff team here with Christ Community, and it, it truly is a, a pleasure and an honor to open God's Word with you this morning as we continue our series through Paul's first letter to Timothy. Uh, before working at the church here, I worked in the restaurant industry for about a dozen years. Uh, managing restaurants came with incredibly long hours, and, and even when I wasn't at the restaurant, I, I had a lot of phone calls, uh, so it was hard to kind of step away from my work, and I found in, in ministry uh, a lot of similarities in that. Now for you, I'm sure all of you have uh, experienced dining out at a restaurant before, and, and you probably noticed that there's these different roles and responsibilities in the restaurant. Right, when you walk in, there, there's the host who seats you at your table, and uh, yet their, their role is actually much more important than that. We all know how important first impressions are. Uh, they're also your last impression of the restaurant as you walk away. Servers, we know, can kind of make or break your dining experience depending on uh, their skill level or even their personality. Uh, bartenders need to be quick and accurate with making drinks, but you, you also want someone with a personality who can engage with the guests at the bar as well. So, so the way that restaurants are kind of structured and the personalities and, and responsibilities are, are there for a reason, right? And the, and the reason is to give you a better dining experience. We, we've all been at the restaurant where uh, your food takes forever, your server's never around when you need them. It seems like there's just kind of chaos going around. Maybe they're short-staffed and everyone's running around like crazy. When, when the restaurant is short-handed or, or the roles are missing or even the people fulfilling those roles aren't kind of living up to the expectations, your experience suffers. So there's a reason that restaurants are structured the way that they are. And there's a reason for the roles and responsibilities and qualifications that Paul has been laying out for us as well in the church. Now, spoiler alert, it is not the same reason as restaurants. As Tony kind of pointed to, uh, the purpose that Paul is writing about is not so you can have a better worship experience. But Paul is writing about a purposeful God. God has structured his church and the roles within it, the qualifications for those roles for a reason. 
1 Corinthians 14.33 tells us that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And as Paul continues to lay out these offices for the church, we're kind of going to land our time by asking why. You know, this far in, in Paul's letter to Timothy, he started off talking about how should we pray when we come to church? What, what should our behavior be like when we come to worship God? What, what are the qualifications for our leaders? And as we continue talk, talking about qualifications for the deacons, what I hope we see is that Paul's concern for the church, his reason for addressing us, addressing the issues, specific issues going on in the church of Ephesus, is because how we worship when we come to church points to who we worship. How we worship points to who we worship. Before we jump into our passage this morning, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for being a God of structure, a God of purpose, that, that even in the midst of the chaos of our world, we can have confidence that you are in charge, that you are a God of structures, a God of peace, and not a God of disorder. God, many of our hearts this morning may be in disorder, and I pray that you would give us peace, help us to calm our hearts as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, in our passage today, Paul is addressing another one of the offices in the church. Last week, Craig talked about uh, our, our leaders and overseers, the elders within the church, and, and their qualifications. And this week, we'll be looking at the deacons in the church. So what is a deacon? What, what role do deacons serve? Well, again, much like last week, uh, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he doesn't give us a whole lot when it comes to what the functional role of deacons is. But I do think it's, a, it's important that we understand kind of generally what that role is. Uh, we see the birth of the role of deacons in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter six, the, some issues arise in the early church. There, there's some widows within the church whose basic needs aren't being taken care of. They're being neglected. And, and so, uh, the apostles get together, the leaders of the church come together to appoint people to meet those needs. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read for you from Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. So the apostles put their hands on these seven men and prayed for them and, and commissioned them to care for these needs, care for these widows. And, and these, these are the first deacons that we see in the early church. Now, a side note here, when I, as I was studying this passage, I, I kind of felt convicted. Notice that the, the people that saw the needs of these widows, it wasn't 
the leaders, the elders, the apostles. It was the regular members who noticed that these women were being neglected. So it got me asking, man, do we notice the needs of the people around us? Our theology tells us that we should care for the marginalized, keep an eye out for those in need, but, but does our understanding of who God is, does that lead us to action? Are we noticing those who are in need here in our church and, and seeking to meet those needs ourselves or to bring them to our elders? Again, this was something that's been on my heart this week, so I, I just wanted to share that with you. Now back to these first appointed deacons, the, the office was put in place in order to meet specific needs in the church. So deacons are primarily servants of the church. The word deacon actually means servant in Greek. So deacons serve the church to meet specific needs needs that arise in the church so that the, the elders, the pastors, can focus on teaching God's word and on prayer. Now, the lead servants of the church, the deacons, uh, serve in a more visual role, much like the elders uh, and as we look at our passage today, you'll notice that the qualifications for the deacons are very similar to the qualifications for elders. So as last week we thought about the elders as our lead servants, we're going to think about the deacons this week as our, I'm sorry, as our servant leaders are the elders. We'll think of the deacons as our lead servants in the church. Let's look at our passage again today as we look at the qualifications for deacons. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So as Craig talked about in, in greater length last week, the qualifications for elders, uh, here we see very similar qualifications for deacons. Paul, again, inspired by the Spirit, is not addressing what deacons do, but the heart of deacons, the character of of those serving God's church. You can see that God is clearly at work in, in their personal lives. They're, they're respectable and honest and trustworthy, and their wives are as well. At home, they're faithful to their spouses and, and honored by their families. So, so serving God's church, loving God's people, starts with heart transformation. And honestly, this is something that we're all called to, right? Regardless of our title or role, we're all called to, to serve God's church and love on God's people. And since Craig talked about these qualifications in more depth last week, we're, we're not going to get too much into that today. But there is one difference that I want us to notice. There's a, there's a qualification for elders that is not a qualification for deacons. 
and that's the ability to teach. So though teaching the Bible, <clears throat> being able to teach God's word, to preach God's word, is a requirement for pastors and elders, uh, right? It's part of their main role. It's, it's not a requirement for deacons. <clears throat> so the deacons are the lead servants of the church. In fact, they free up the elders to focus their time on the preaching of God's word and prayer. Now, I think whether we admit it or not, I think we all have a tendency to really elevate the role of pastors above all other roles in the church. And, and they do carry a, a heavier weight of responsibility and authority over the church. But I think we can have the tendency to think that, that they're the ones God uses, right? The preacher, the pastor, they're the ones that God uses in big ways to impact his church, to impact his kingdom. Especially these days with, with uh, the internet and the ability to write books, pastors can reach a lot of people. But I want us to see that God uses servants of his church in mighty ways as well. Again, looking at uh, Acts chapter 6, if you guys remember Stephen, Stephen was one of the first deacons of the church. Stephen was appointed into this role and he was faithfully serving and loving God's people, faithfully serving the church in his role as a deacon. Acts 6, 8 says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And if you remember Stephen's story, because he was faithfully serving God's church, he was persecuted. Right? The, the Jews started arguing with Stephen. And though uh, teaching was not a qualification for Stephen's role as a deacon, kind of out of his love for Jesus and out of his love for God's church, it just kind of poured out of him, right? He, he opened the scriptures and, and taught that from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God using Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, he taught that throughout history, all of God's story pointed to Jesus. So though teaching was not a part of Stephen's role, brother could teach and he could preach God's word and his bold proclamation of the gospel is what led to his death. Stephen became the first Christian martyr and God used that in some amazing ways. At that time in history, Christianity was heavily focused in Jerusalem. But with Stephen's death, it kind of scattered the church and the gospel spread throughout all of Israel. So God uses servants of his church who, who faithfully serve and love his people in powerful ways as well. In fact, Paul says here in verse 13 that those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great confidence in the faith. I'm sure there's another question that's kind of been burning in our minds as we talk about the role of deacons, and, and it's a question that I have had as well. So deacons are the, the lead servants, uh, serving the, the needs that arise in the church so that the elders are, are free to focus on preaching and teaching. So why don't we have deacons here at Christ Community? We have elders, uh, but, but who serves in these roles of deacons? And again, I had this question too, so I talked to uh, Pat 
Frolic, one of our elders, this past week as I was studying the passage and asked him about the role of deacons here at Christ Community. And he shared that up to this point, uh, the needs within our congregation are in many ways being met by our staff team, uh, by the MC leaders, by our servant team leaders, and, and others who serve this church body in these deacon-like roles. A specific example is Tim Parrish. If you don't know Tim, Tim is uh, the accountant for our church. He's a faithful member here, and, and each week he spends the, the tedious work of going through each and every financial transaction that we make here at the church, categorizing and, and tracking those, helping us to be good stewards of, of the resources that you all graciously and sacrificially give and God provides to our faith family here. So this is one example of someone who's serving in a deacon-like capacity, freeing up the elders to focus on teaching the Bible and praying for our congregation. So because we've had uh, many people serving in these deacon-like roles throughout Christ Community's history, that's left us without the need for the office of deacons. But in light of walking through 1 Timothy, Scott Berkey, another one of our elders, uh, shared that that could change in the future. That as he and the elders can continue to discuss the needs in our congregation and the need for or lack of need for deacons. So though Christ Community does not have the office of deacons, we have many people who serve in these deacon-like roles. Well, that brings us to the why. Why does it matter how we serve God's church? Why does Paul care about the, the behavior and, and conduct of the deacons? Why, why should we uh, check our hearts when we're serving the church? I know verse 14 and 15 has been referenced a lot of times already throughout our passage, uh, but there's a reason for that. Paul explicitly tells us why he's writing these things. Verse 15 and 16, he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing you these things so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, Craig is going to spend a, a lot more time on this passage with us next week, but I want us to see that, that Paul continues to explain how we should behave in the church how we should serve the church, with what kind of hearts we should serve the church with, because it matters. How we serve the church matters because how we serve points to who we serve. The ways in which we serve the church glorify God and point the watching world to him. So Christ community, how we serve points to who we serve, displays God. So where do we kind of find that strength, the strength to, to serve this church body well? How, how do we behave in such a way as to point the watching world to Jesus? You know, do we just need to try harder to, to have holy, godly behavior when we're serving here at the church? Many of you uh, may not know my story, but Christ Community was actually the first church that I ever experienced. I didn't grow up going to church, and um, 
In many ways, I was very selfish. Uh, I did all of the things that, that our uh, culture tells us that we should do to find happiness and fulfillment in life and I feel like I was doing those things well but still found myself being pretty empty. So I remember walking into Soto Theater uh, where we used to meet thinking like yeah I know I'm one of these bad people that the church talks about. No, No one said that but that's how I felt. I'm bad and here's where the good people are. And I remember our, our pastors preaching and teaching about the need for forgiveness. That, we, that we've sinned and our sins needed to be forgiven by Jesus. And when he preached and talked about those things, I thought he was just talking about people like me. But, but I soon heard that the church is not a museum for good people. But it's a hospital for the broken. We're all broken here. We're all sinners here. So we can't muster up the strength to serve God's church in a way that points others to Jesus. So what do we do then? When we have to wake up early in the morning and begrudgingly come in to carry tables to set up in the morning for service. Will we fix our eyes on Jesus? He carried his load. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for us. What about when our reasoning, our, our motivation for serving up here comes more out of a place of, of looking for our own praise, our own little honor and glory and worship rather than God's? Will we look to Jesus, We put our faith in Jesus who did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and became a servant. What about when the, when the last thing we want to do on a Sunday morning is to head downstairs and, and serve and teach the kids down there missing the sermon up here? Well, we put our faith in the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Christ community, the, the only way that we can be a church that, that serves and loves in a way that points others to Jesus is to put our faith in him. Because he is the truer and better deacon. Right? He's the perfect lead servant who laid his life down for the church. And he is the one who has promised to make us holy. Right? It's not in our own efforts that we gear up and, and behave in a way to honor and glorify God, but it's because Christ has laid down his life for the church that he loves. And he is promised to cleanse her by the washing of his word. He will present us holy, spotless, and blameless. As I was writing in this morning, uh, I was listening to a devotional by John Piper, and, and he was talking about uh, how we can pursue God in a way that glorifies him. And, and I think it applies here. How can we serve our church, this church, in a way that glorifies God and points the watching world to Jesus? He said, God is not glorified 
unless our pursuit is empowered by faith in his promises. God is honored when we are humbled for our feebleness and failure, 